As the school holidays near an end and term two is about to begin, many children have their friend groups sorted. Others are still finding their feet. In Parenting Today, we talk about loneliness at school and how to survive lunchtime. Ellie Gilliam is a content editor and presenter for Parenting Place and the mother of three daughters. Parenting Place is a charity sharing resources for parents and offering family coaching and courses. Uh, kia ora, Ellie. Kia ora. Lunchtime can feel like a very long time if you don't know what to do with it. And just to explain, um, I guess, how loneliness at school can present. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a bit of a surprise, it can be a bit of a surprise to parents sometimes because lunchtime just can sound like all fun and games, really, especially if when you were a kid it was, it was a breeze. But the reality is for, for a lot of kids who are anxious about school, it might not be the subjects or the workload or the teachers. It might actually be social anxiety around lunchtime that they're experiencing because there's, all of a sudden the bell rings and there's a lack of structure. It's free time, which is, is heaps of fun for lots of kids. But for others, um, that lack of structure can be quite intimidating. The, the grounds are really vast and there's a sea of faces and and not many adults in sight as uh, the teachers retreat to the staff room perhaps um but really as it it probably boils down to relationships so much of the struggle will likely relate to friendships it can be hugely anxiety inducing these these key questions where are my friends do i have any friends how do i make friends um so I think as parents, it's, it's helpful to think about um, what that might feel like for our kids um, and, and, and yeah, how can we support them around some of those um, social anxieties around uh, lunchtime moments. And as you say, it's when the structure goes and you really are on your own as to whether you do have uh, some kind of um, a support network that you've developed um, and, and if not, what you do about that. So what are some of the ways we can help and what can we talk about with our kids? Yeah, I think um, for our younger kids, especially, uh, they might need some support around practical things. So what does the lunch hour look like? What are the boundaries? What what are the expectations? What are you allowed to do? Um, what are you not allowed to do? Um, where things are, where the, where the toilets are, how to find a duty teacher if you need one. Um, those kinds of practical things, we, we can just gently have conversations with our younger kids to make sure they know um, their way around the school at lunchtime. Um, I've heard of lots of primary schools that have um, things like a, a friendship chair. So there's like a bench that's that's known as the place to go if you if you can't find your mates or if you just uh, haven't got a friend to play with that day. And so there's that, that's sort of been built into the culture of the school. I don't think they exist at high schools. They they may well do, but you know there's some little things there that uh, if we can be aware of them as parents in communication with the school, so we can make sure that our our kids know that those um, those systems are at place. But um, really, it's it's boiling down to social skills, so we can actually help upskill our kids here. Um, we can do some role play. We can actually practice with them, um, asking those questions. How can you know? Can I join in with this game? Simple conversation skills, um, things like that. I really love the idea of encouraging our kids towards empathy, whatever age and stage they are, because chances are they are not the only one struggling. Uh, if they are feeling lonely, there's a high chance there'll be other kids in that position as well. And and that's for our teenagers as well. I've got kids at primary school and at high school, and 
surprise, surprise, the issues remain very similar through, throughout schooling. Uh, they might present in different ways, but that, that anxiety around having something to do and having someone to do it with, um, it's the same at high school, I'm finding, even, even like it has been at primary school. The other thing that's changed, and we were discussing this yesterday in the context of kids and exercise, is that at primary school anyway, it used to be get out in the fields and run, and someone would have a soccer game, and someone else would have bull rush. Not that you're allowed that anymore, I don't think. But you know, there were there, there were physical activities that you could just sort of tack onto. And um, now one suspects there's a good deal more time spent on devices, potentially, as is the case. And devices can be two things: they can be isolating, and they can also be a cover for you, can't they? Yeah. I'm here doing something. Stay yeah. away. Um, so, you know, is that an issue as well, that children will sometimes perhaps, um, well, I suppose you could have sat down with a good book by yourself once upon a time, couldn't you? That, that, that there's, again, less structure, perhaps, in terms of being able to just tack on to what others are doing and become part of what yeah. others are doing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can see at high schools groups of teens sitting together but all on their screens, on their phones. So they're not actually connecting, they're not actually relating to one another. And, and I think this is where we just some gentle encouragement around social skills will benefit our young people. I mean, I've noticed on their phones, the way my daughters communicate, um, there's, there's very little pleasantries. So, you know, you get straight to the point in a text message, but I'm, I'm concerned that they're losing that ability to just strike up a conversation. Hey, how are you? How's it going? How was your weekend? And have that back and forth conversation skills happening um, that, that we, we actually really need. Uh, to, they're very helpful to have those social skills on board. So it's, it, it's a, it is a bit of an issue, I think, for our older kids if they're just going to the screens, the phones for... Um, you know, to get through that lunchtime hour, get through that downtime. Um, you raised such an important point, Ali. There was a, a really interesting article just in the last couple of days about, uh, I think it might have been in this week's New Zealand Listener, about the different kinds of interactions human needs to, humans need to have. And you might have very yeah. deep conversations, very personal conversations, vulnerable conversations with people closest to you. But actually a whole range of different types of interactions are really important to well-being. And yeah. children need to learn, they need to learn to talk to strangers. They need to learn some courtesy and acknowledgement to the person sitting next to them on the bus, say, um, or That's to it. the to the person at the local dairy. Um, but they also need to learn how to have conversations about very little with someone they don't know yeah. very well. Can we help teach yeah. them some opening? And this the other thing this article said is to open a conversation. You're inviting the other person's opinion rather than, than putting out your own. Can we actually help them with some conversation skills that are going to be well received by the other party? Yeah, we absolutely can. And, and role play is, is a great parenting tool to just actually practice this back and forth with our kids, give them that opportunity to practice. And it can sound a bit weird and it can sound a bit clunky, but I know for parents that it's they have tried it, it really works in helping our kids um, Yeah, ha just have some have some experience of that back and forth conversation. And so we can um, we can talk to them about, hey, what would you do um, if you saw someone playing, some kids playing a game and you wanted to join in? Let's let's have a let's have a go at how that might sound and, and actually practice that. Can I can I play? Can I join in? And and conversely, if they were being asked that question themselves, um, how do they have an inclusive response? Practicing saying things like, sure, you can play. 
or if there's a, if the team is full or the game is half is nearly right finishing or you know if there's a if it's a trickier way to include someone what else could you say um oh this team's full but let's see if we can start another round or something like that actually practicing those things with our kids sounds a bit weird but can be um, a really great way to uh, upskill them and prepare them for those moments and and our teenagers are going to probably have different looking moments or different sounding moments for those interactions as you say you brought up sitting on the bus next to someone I know for a fact that my girls really struggle to know uh, what to say when they sit next to someone on their school bus route and it can be really surprising but I think um, yeah, we have to we have to face facts. They're not getting as much experience at that because they've got phones. They've got the ability to communicate via text. Do I really need to use words anymore? <laughs> we just need to encourage them. Yeah, that's that's going to be really helpful for, another, for isolation and loneliness at school, but but also for life. Another uh, truism is that if you are someone who makes other people feel good in your opening interaction with them, it almost makes you a magnet, right? Um, that, yeah. that kids who are good at this seem to just collect friends and build networks and kids who are perhaps a bit too shy or unconfident in doing so find that much more difficult. So if you can help with that skill of them making someone else feel good, there's a reverse effect that tends to come their way. You mentioned that for young children, the food in the lunchbox can make or break a good lunch hour. Uh, and how so? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a delicate balance. Too much food uh, and they um, may not have time to eat it all and then miss out on where their friends have headed off to. Some schools have policies where they're checking in them on the lunch boxes. Have you eaten your lunch? And actually monitoring that before kids can be released uh, to play. I know that was an issue for my girls when they were younger. Um, and they missed out on what everyone else was doing because lunch was too too tricky to to eat. Or or the other the other option, you know, you haven't got enough food. Um it, it, yeah, I think also what food we're putting in our in the kids' lunches. I remember, if, you know, if you got the sandwich order wrong as a parent, that could really that could really ruin a kid's day. Um, but obviously, we can ask, invite them into the whole process of making lunches. Maybe they could um, start making lunches themselves with your help and with your guidance, so they can get their favourite sandwich in there or whatever it is. But it's those little things that I think we can forget as parents can can really be a big deal when you're. When you're a kid at school and you've got this ominous hour in front of you of, to navigate by yourself and, and socially it's, it's, it can be awkward, but yeah, practical things as well. With older kids uh, who are struggling, and it's hard not to mention bullying in this context as well, because unfortunately this is an opportunity. Um, there are endless opportunities via their devices these days, but it's an, obli- it's an opportunity for the power battles to play out, right? Um, and if you're worried about your teens, say at high school, and how things are or aren't going with friendship groups or not having one, how do you, how and when do you get into that conversation? Yeah, yeah, really good question. At Parenting Place, we encourage it's sort of low pressure lines of inquiry. So there's some great terminology, some great phrasing that you can use uh, that is less confrontational. So saying things like, I've noticed or I'm curious, or I'm wondering, instead of a more confrontational, what's going on? So, hey, I've noticed uh, you didn't eat all your lunch every day this week. Are you feeling okay at lunchtime? Or I'm curious, what what happens at high school, at your school in lunchtime? Uh, what, What do kids get up to? Or, you know, I'm wondering if you're feeling a bit nervous about where your friends are at after their classes. 
those kinds of lines of inquiry, gentle, um, no pressure conversations data rather than coming in with a, hey, what's going on? I'm really worried about you kind of thing. Um, being aware that so much communication from our kids happens without words. So uh, it may be in their behavior that is something that we're noticing increased anxiety or moodiness or, or avoidance. Um, the key with anything in parenting is to stay curious. So be curious as to what's going on beneath the surface of that behavior. Um, but yeah, these, these, are, these are, can be tough moments for our young people and tough moments for parents to really engage and find out what is happening. Uh, a teenager will not, might not always want to talk about these things and that can be hard as a parent because you, you want to get to the heart of the issue, but you may not be getting uh, much back in return. Um, we encourage these sort of conversations in the car, funnily enough, because it can be a less pressure context. You haven't got the the pressure of eye contact, but you are within a confined space. So they can't necessarily escape, um, but there's not that pressure of sitting down for a face-to-face -face lecture. And, and just keeping in mind that sort of low pressure, uh, throwing some things out there, seeing what comes back. Um, we talk about how talking to teenagers can be a bit like playing tennis. You sort of serve the ball, you serve something out there and sometimes it's returned um, and you have a nice rally back and forth in terms of conversation, but but other times it's not and that's okay. We don't, we don't always feel like talking all the time, but just an encouragement for parents to keep throwing the ball out there. So to keep serving, to keep asking some questions, to keep expressing curiosity, to keep pursuing that connection. Um, remembering things that your teenager may have mentioned about school or a particular friends or people to show that you are really invested and really care and are concerned about what things are like for them and and showing empathy. I mean, I some of the stories my girls bring back from high school and I will just say that just sounds really tough and, and I don't need to have the answer or the solution necessarily, but um, to show empathy for that problem and to recognize, yeah, man, that sounds like a tough moment, um, can be hugely encouraging for our young people. We don't have to always fix the problem, but to show that we're, we're on their side, we're in their corner, we, we understand, man, that, that would be tough um, if all your friends headed off to the toilets to vape at lunchtime and, and left you uh, on your own. Um, that, sounds, that sounds tough. Um, when we show the empathy and encourage them that we believe in their capabilities, not we're not going to try and fix it. We're not going to be on the phone straight away to the school to sort it out. We actually believe in their abilities to, to problem solve and to come up with some ideas. And but we're we're their number one source of support, even if we're not trying to just solve all the problems all the time. If they're not naturals, it it sort of winning their way into peer groups, and as we said, some of those peer groups can be uh, challenging. Um, the most yeah. schools at high school will still have various structured activities at lunchtime, right? And you know, can yes. that provide a value? Because if someone else has turned up to go to this event or this rehearsal or be on be on to this club, um, they're there for a purpose, and and it, it does provide that little bit of scaffolding, that little bit of structure that might just help a kid get started, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, our, our teens need gentle reminders that these things are happening. And um, and we're not lecturing them and telling them, hey, you should you should go to this, but we're just keeping it in conversation. Um, oh, I'm curious. I wonder how that club is going. Or I wonder if you could go to that practice at lunchtime. Or I wonder if you could head to the tech rooms and finish your project at lunchtime. And um, I've, I've done this with my girls and, and 
been so encouraged when it actually works and they'll say oh yeah I did go to the sewing room at lunchtime and I, and I did some more work on my project and and um, but I think yeah they just need a bit of gentle reminding that those uh, activities are available to them and and also encourage some initiative from on their part is is there a gap in school life that they've identified is there something that that they could set up at school or um, yeah maybe an activity that is missing and they could um they could set it up. It's, it's encouraging our teams again with empathy that they're not going to be the only one struggling. Perhaps there's another group of kids they could um, engage with or sort of join forces with. Um, and also, yeah, encouraging that sense of of agency and initiative in our teams. That um, yeah, you could you could set something up that's within your capabilities to um, to talk to a teacher and maybe um, get something going yourself. Yeah, thanks very much, Ellie William of the Parenting Place.